Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. Well, I've been looking forward to talking with Dr. D.C. Eamon Hillman. He's an incredibly accomplished scholar. He is incredibly provocative. He has focused many years and a lot of hours of research on an area that, I'll be honest, I never really thought much about. It's proven to be controversial in general, including for him. Uh, Dr. Hillman is a scholar and an author who's written several books, including The Chemical Muse, Drug Use, and the Roots of Western Civilization. Dr. Hillman, thanks so much for joining me on the radio. Hey, Frank, thank you so much for the invitation. I'm glad we were able to. Uh, I'm glad we were able to make it work. Now there are. You're a very accomplished guy. You've got more degrees than uh, than most ther- thermometers. How did you get into studying ancient pharmaceuticals? Yeah, you know. Long story short, a professor came to me and he said, "Hey, I know you do both sides of the fence. You do the science and you do the classics." Because I was studying Greek and Latin then. He said, hey, you know, there are all these ancient medical sources nobody's translated. And so I started working on it and realized I had to build a, 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 enough of a couple of a Ph.D. program and a couple of masters to be able to to translate this stuff. And Frank, as soon as I started translating it, I realized, oh, my God, these people were huge into drugs everywhere. Drugs. Well, since you talk about uh, these people and being into drugs, let's talk about all these cultures. Uh, Ancient Greece, for instance, we think of them as uh, people that gave us so many of the words that we use today. Really, the people that invented democracy as we know it. What do we know about ancient Greece and what they were doing in terms of drugs? They were part of a tradition that had been developing pharmaceuticals since the Bronze Age. So by the time you get to the classical Greeks who are worshiping at Eleusis and every, every year you've got people who come in and go through initiation, and these are brilliant people too. These are not hacks. This is Cicero going in and being initiated and saying, this was the most important event of my lifetime. This is that kind of religion that they're practicing after a thousand years of intense research with drugs, psychotropic drugs, and the big one right now are the snake venoms. They're using, Frank, they're using combinations of snake venoms to do things that, to be quite honest, I, I don't know if we can talk about them on your program. Well, when you say w- the big thing right now is snake venoms, are you talking about in the year 2023 or several thousand years ago? Yeah, no, I'm talking now because this is going to push the frontier. People... You know, 10 years ago, people were saying, hey, um, nobody used drugs in antiquity. We just wouldn't do such a thing. I mean, my dissertation, which was on Roman pharmacy, I had to take out, I had to redact all the section on recreational drugs or anything that looked like a recreational drug. 
and it caused me a big deal research-wise and career-wise. So, um, but th- what's funny is th- uh, the gentleman who wrote the Bryn Mawr Classical Review of the Chemical Muse, he said, this Frenchman said, this, this book is the most dangerous book around and it should not be read at universities. Now he's writing a work about shaman, uh, shamanism and the use of drugs because the academic community is catching up. So when I say now, Frank, I mean, now this year, They've begun to see that these drugs are so widespread. Now I need to push. Hey, look at the venoms, guys. They're hormone analogs. Look what they're doing. Oh God, it's so it's so fun. Well, I want to I want to come back to the present day in just a minute. Just like uh, Christopher Lloyd, we'll go back to the future momentarily. But just going back to the the ancient Greeks, for instance, and the ancient Romans, when you say they were on drugs, was the nature of the drugs that a lot of them were using was that snake venom as well, or was it some other type of pharmaceutical? Yeah, no, it's a whole blend of things. And the venoms are one of them. You can buy um, North African viper venom in the Roman marketplace. People don't realize that. This is all about economy and trade, right? These are all uh, items that are in their economy making money. You go to the drug markets. It's just the way it works. And so the drugs that they're using are plant and animal products. But they've engineered them in a way that they're – their pharmacy is what I call polypharmacy. They're working on dote and antidote. So they have compounds, Frank, that they're combining just a host of different plant and animal substances in. And they've got all ways to get them into the body. The big one is fumigation. If you want to fumigate somebody to make them insane, you can do so with a little bit of mandrake, a little bit of henbane. And you can put someone into a psychotic state. Why would you want to do that? Because you're putting them through an initiation. Don't worry. It's all for their, it's all for their um, well-being in the long run. So uh, the, uh, the drugs are everywhere, especially within the, within the sex rights. The drugs got to be there. Well, so let's talk about this day and age, since you brought us back to the present day a couple of times. I know people that smoke marijuana. I know people that uh, do cocaine. I know a lot of people that have experimented with things like heroin and even had a problem with heroin. I read all the time about drug overdoses related to things like fentanyl. I never hear about someone experimenting with, with snake venom. Where is this snake venom being used in the present day? Uh, in the present day, no idea, Frank. I mean, I'm I'm a guy who's straight up with you. No idea where it's being used now. Well, so but I can tell. No, I, I, I again, tell- maybe maybe I'm I'm confused. Then I I had thought you were saying they're using snake venom and things of that nature today. Oh no, I'm sorry. I'm thinking. I'm thinking ahead. As the I was talking about the area of research. Okay. So as classicists begin to understand that drugs were prevalent in the ancient world and they begin to examine it themselves, the next step they're going to make is to the compound snake drugs that are the communion drugs of the religions. I this see. Is why we, this is why we've got Moses holding up the, the rod with the snake on it. Anybody who looks at it is healed, right? 
This is the part of the same Bronze Age mystery cult. I'm sorry, I should have I should have clarified. No, no, no. Uh, may, maybe it's just my misunderstanding. But um, so the drugs, and that's exactly what I was going to ask. Some of the drugs in these ancient cultures, whether we're talking ancient Greece, ancient Rome, or ancient Judaism, as is in the case of Moses, they were often part of the worship services. Correct. Correct. And as a matter of fact, the states of ecstasy that they're talking about um, are always brought on by the use of some kind of compound, whether they're fumigating you with it and you're inhaling it, or they also have a technique of applying it to the rectum with something, something called an alabastrin. And um, it's made fun of in antiquity. It's poked fun of in Aristophanes. So it's not an, uh, it, it, it's a medical applicator and they, um, applicate it, they, they apply it to the rectum. Well, this is part of the rites that they have that enter, cause you to enter into death and resurrection. The whole idea is to bring you back so that you have an, uh, an awareness of the cosmos that you didn't before. In um, ancient Rome, were the compounds that they would use there different from what they would say use in ancient Greece or ancient Egypt? Yeah, no, that's a that's a wonderful question. In Rome, Rome is kind of like a magnet, drug-wise. So you can look at um, drug manuals by guys like Dioscorides, and you can see that within the Roman marketplace, you've got everything being traded. The drugs are regional. You're exactly right. You have to get your silphium from Libya, right? That's These are geographical... Um, uh, items, you know, they're growing in these areas, and you have to be able to access these. Well, Rome is a magnet, so you can get anything in the Roman um, drug marketplace. The um, one of the things that we have seen with various indulgences over the years, sometimes alcohol, sometimes certain types of foods, is that certain classes of people would have access to something and indulge in something, whereas other classes maybe couldn't afford to do that. When we talk about ancient times, where we talk about the prevalence of drug use, did that cut across socioeconomic levels? Was everybody on drugs from the emperor to the pauper, or was it something that was reserved for the working class or the wealthy? Yeah, that brilliant question. You can actually tell somebody's status by the drugs that they're using, right? With the kind of the majority of the population re- relying on these agricultural types of remedies, but then at the very top of the scale with the people who've got the money, these people like Augustus, um, Augustus was a huge, huge opium hog. Um, and he's got recipes. These, we've got recipes for his um, different kind of concoctions that are clearly, clearly way beyond um, just a, a, a nice health boost. You know, this isn't a shake that you drink and feel better. You know, this is uh, he's he's using psychotropic substances, but he can because he is sent out all over um, uh, the Roman sphere of influence. He sent out um, people to find books, books that contain these compound formulae that are coming from the east. These are coming from the Black Sea region. And um, Marcus Aurelius, Marcus Aurelius. Galen, the physician, right, is, is sure. probably the greatest, greatest physician that ever lived. Um, Galen is Marcus Aurelius' personal body physician. 
and he's complaining in one of his treatises. I, I was reading it, and nobody translates these things, by the way, because classicists don't have the scientific expertise to do so. So they run from him, scared like little little children. <laughs> um, but but um, Galen says of Marcus Aurelius, he says, "Look, I'm tired of adjusting um, his medi- his uh, dosage of his opium up, right?" So. You see right there, he's, he's dealing with, the people are dealing with the same issues. You're talking about heroin and whatnot. Yeah, gorgeous. And what are your sources for this, if people are wondering? Yeah, okay, so you've got the medical sources on one side, guys like Galen. Galen, I've got 22 volumes of Galen in Greek, and um, it, it, it is literally more than Homer and, so- and Sophocles and Euripides and Aeschylus all combined together. Um, so Galen is one huge source. Dioscorides, famous Roman, right? He's got a he, um, he's got a knowledge of drugs that he even uses the he introduces the audience to his um, street names. The street names they're using, for example, cannabis. They use the street name Star. Hmm. When you go and per, when you go and purchase, they have the name cannabis. It's a Greek name, cannabis, but they. Um, but they uh, call it star in the street. It's called a sterian. So when you use a sterian, you enter into the eremon, into the wilderness. Do you see um, how they're kind of functioning with the drugs? That's where they're. That's where they're going. So yeah. Um, and what other Scribonius Largus? Oh, if you want to see what the emperors are getting stoned on, go to Scribonius Largus, and he's just. <laughs> He's, he's somebody that nobody reads, Frank. Nobody reads these people. So when I did my dissertation and I did a whole chapter on recreational drug use, I was told by the head of the department, um, she said, uh, look, the Romans just wouldn't do such a thing. And that's what I knew. Okay. Okay. For the sake of education, for the sake of people gaining access to those sources, you need to stand aside, and I need to find the underbelly. And, Frank, I started digging, and I found sex rights that would blow your mind, and you'd be surprised if you found out who was doing them. The, uh, you mentioned Moses and the, the snake. Were there any other biblical references to drug use in biblical times? Yeah, one of the coolest ones that people miss all the time is called the fire of Uranos. That's the cool name they came up with. Isn't that a nice name? Oh yeah, I love but it. It was, it was developed. It was developed by a Colchian woman named Medea. She was a queen, and she developed a substance that ultimately the Greek navy turns into a weapon. It's like napalm. It's a clear fluid, and they use the vapors of this thing in processing drugs and whatnot, but it's a petroleum product um, that's highly combustible and it can't be, you can't put it out with water. It just has to get close to a flame and it'll burst and it'll activate, you know, and this is one and you say, well, that's not really a drug. Oh yeah, that's because you don't understand the polypharmacy of the ancient world because this same woman who made this drug that all the texts tell us she was the one who created it, Right. Um, she also created a substance of her own communion that was called the um, burning purple. And it's related to an arrow poison that they're using in the Black Sea. 
And this aeropoison is a neurotoxin, which, according to their own accounts, will turn you to stone. And the medusae, you've probably heard medusa. The medusae were, were temple guardians. Everybody thinks, oh, this is mythology. It's a story about a, a woman with snaky hair. No, 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 no. It's an account of a group that were called guardians. And these people guarded temples. And what did they do? They put the snake venom in their hair. They would draw their bow through their hair. Remember, these are Scythian, crazy Scythian women who are part of a culture where you have to kill three men before you are allowed to mate. And when you're done mating, you can either kill the dude or you can force him to raise the offspring. That's the society we're dealing with. And they are steeped in drugs. And these medusae can put you down at a distance. All they got to do is nick you and turn you to stone. These are and this the queen of these people, the historical queen of these people is creating an empire. That is an empire of religion, and it is the first mystery that we have in the West. Judaism, Christianity, Islam are all its descendants. I know there's been a lot of talk in the New Testament about Jesus and the apostles eating, uh, occasional uh, talk of them drinking as well. Anything about Jesus and the apostles doing any sort of drugs, as far as you can tell? Yeah, fantastic. So um, we got to look at the alabastrum, and we first get it with um, with Mary. Remember Mary Magdalene? Mm-hmm. She was she was pardoned later by Pope Gregory. I think it's Gregory the um, First, who who says uh, we forgive her for being in possession of sex drugs. That alabastrum, what they recognized is the, the alabastrum is the applicator for the sex drugs. That they call in the New Testament passages, they call it the muron. Um, people think muron is just myrrh, and sometimes it's just translated as myrrh. But in the medical text, it is a combo that is used especially on Cyprus, and it's supposed to be very, very valuable. And so when um, Mary is applying via the alabastron to Jesus, um, the um, drug that is inside of it, um, she's, she's um, applying a drug directly that we know induces a change in mental state. And now what's crazy about this is people are going to say, okay, okay, that's, a, that's reading too much into it. No, 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 don't listen to me. Listen to an ancient author named Nonus. And Nonus wrote a paraphrase or a rewriting of the Gospel of John. And Nonus happens to be an expert in cult, particularly Bacchic cult. And Nonus says that when Mary applied the medical applicator, the rectal medical applicator, to Jesus, that his fluid was what was taken out of her gorgeous hair. It calls her hair um, gorgeous in the way that you would call a temple, um, pro- what you would call a temple prostitute's hair, gorgeous. And right? Dr. Hillman, let, let me ask, yeah. wh- people may ask the question, why should folks care about this now? If the ancient Greeks, the ancient Romans, and people in biblical times were all high, what difference does that make to 
our lives today or our understanding of the scholarly works or any other works that they gave us thousands of years ago? Yeah, it's a good question, Frank. It's all about reality, because underneath, don't we all just want to know what the actual reality is? Do we want to follow a fairy tale or do we want to know what the scientific friggin facts were at the time? <laughs> and the, that's why I tell everybody to shock them into that reality. I say, Frank, did you know that Jesus was arrested in a public park with a naked boy at 4 a.m.? What? Uh, uh, no, I did not know that. Where, where is that in the New Testament? It, it is in Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14, verses 51 and 52. And nobody ever reads it, Frank. Nobody ever reads it. If you could pull that up right now and read it, you'd shock yourself because you'd never seen this naked kid with Jesus when he's rested. And then wait, wait, the Greek is going to help us here. What happens when the, when the people get there to arrest Jesus? He raises his hands and he says, I am not a laystace. And what is a laystace in Greek? It's a child trafficker. Did you realize that Jesus' apostles are all teenage boys? I absolutely did not realize that. Uh, Dr. Yeah. Hillman, we're going to actually have to end it there, but uh, hopefully we can chat again. I appreciate a very thought-provoking conversation. Yeah, good stuff. Frank, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you, Dr. Hillman. You want to comment on any portion of our conversation? That was wild. I'm now reading Mark 1451. It does say, it does say that. Looks like Judas gave him a hard time in that section of uh, the, the Gospels as well. That is interesting. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead.